0: This is self-styled life the life that you write because your parents encourage you to do it that way or society tells you that's who you're supposed to be or whatever the reasons you define your life and you say no Lord I'm gonna die to my own version of life and Lord I am gonna be made alive to your version of my life the reason God created me and so for you and I life the abundant life comes through the death of the self styled version of
1: life where do you want your life to be in ten years Whether you realize it or not, everyone has an idea of what they want their life to look like. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, God says a truly vibrant life can only develop when you let go of your desires of what should happen. He explains that God wants more for you than what you want for yourself, to be fulfilled in ways you never thought possible. When you let your plans go, His will has space to grow. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 17 as he begins a new study called Free Indeed.
0: So it dawns on me that as a pastor, my poor kids end up getting stories told about them relentlessly. But thus is the joy of being a parent. So my littlest one, Annabelle, I just love this little face. That's why I call, I call her the little face because she's little. So she's got a little face, you know. But my Annabelle, she, I always joke that she's the naughtiest one that we've had. And she totally is. Like, I'm not exaggerating that at all. But Annabelle now, we, we, we like to call her the ham at home. Because she's got such a fun personality and I wonder if a lot of it is because she's got two older siblings and so Annabelle, she's at that stage of being a young lady where she's in like the bag lady stage, you know, like where it's like every purse, everything that's got handles, she wants to hold them all at the same time. You know? And so, what's really funny is that, like, you get, she'll be walking, and then she's got, like, her little, like, princess high heel shoes that she wears. So, she's got these high heel shoes that are too big for her feet, and she's got, like, nine bags, and she's, like, walking, and and it's super fun. But what we realize is that one of the reasons she likes all those bags is because she's also a thief, you know? (laughs) And so, she's always stealing something from someone. And so, her new thing lately has been my wallet you know, which is terrifying and probably prophetic as well. You know what I mean? Like as just a young lady where it's like, you know, I'm going to be spending all my money on her. But it's so funny because she'll walk into my office and she'll have stolen my wallet and she'll have it in her shirt. And she'll walk in like this, you know, she's got this face and I'm like, what do you have there? She's like, I have your wallet, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I might need that back, please. Thank you very much. Now, The reason I bring up this story Is not because I just love telling stories About my little Annabelle Because she's so cute But because In the context Of being part of my family And being two years old I don't call the cops If she's stealing my wallet Her being in the house Having a run of the place I mean yesterday She just tried to nail polish Half of Maranatha's room yesterday So it's like Oh yeah you pray for us You know But it's like As being part of my family, you know, as long as she's doing it when she's two and it's not when she's like 22, right? It's okay. But if somebody else were to come in my house and they come in and they're wearing princess high heels and they're stealing everything, we're going to have the law enforcement folks are going to come over and for a visit, right? Why? Because there's a difference between being a family member and being an outsider. And in a lot of ways, the teachings of Jesus, Jesus really cares about this. See, he is interested. He came and he lived and he died because God's not interested in humanity being outsiders, but he wants them to be family members. Because when you're part of a family, things are different than when you are just somebody on the outside. And so what we're going to see today as we're continuing this real talk series in Matthew's gospel is we're going to see that Jesus is pushing us towards this reality of what it means to be part of the family of God. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to Matthew Chapter 17, Matthew 17, we're gonna be taking verses 22 to 27. Matthew's gospel is easy to find. Also, if you're part of our internet campus or our Facebook Live folks, don't forget to open up another browser window, type in Matthew 17, 22 to 27, or if you have a smartphone, a tablet, whatever you got, if it's got internet connection, you can type in Matthew 17, 22 to 27, you'll get these verses. Now, what we're gonna find here is in this Real Talk series, Jesus has this amazing way of when things come to him, Jesus doesn't necessarily answer or react to exactly what is coming to him, but he wants to get at the heart of the matter. And that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't get caught up with all of the smoke screen, all the peripheral stuff. It's like, what's the real heart of the matter? Now, I think this is an important concept and I think that's why we're studying it right now because so much of the culture that we live in, everything's about what's going on on the periphery. Nobody's actually getting to the heart of any matter. It's like the news cycle doesn't run well if you get to the heart of the matter and you deal with that. You need all this stuff going on, right? And so we're so used to being like, almost like a boat on a wave that's getting knocked all over the place that we lose sight of the fact that we need to make sure that in our interactions with people and the way that we feel about things and the way that we deal with things, that we learn how to kind of get to what's really going on here. Because so much of the stuff is just window dressing. So much of life is just the things that we think is what's going on, but we never ask the questions to get to the heart of the matter. And Jesus is a master at this. I talked about we needed to ask the right questions. And we learned that from Jesus. Jesus never takes something at face value. He always asks the right questions to get to what is going on. So in Matthew 17, verse 20, really the thing I want to share with you is verses 24 to 27. But I didn't want to miss verse 22. Because look what it says. It says, now... While they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Now, this teaches us something very, very important about what real freedom is all about. It's this that death brings life. These verses teach us that death. Brings life. Now, this is what you would call a passion prediction. It's the second one of these. Jesus, earlier in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 24, he shares this and now he shares it again. And the reality is that death brings life. See, Jesus is with his disciples and they're in Galilee and he says to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. You see why I say that death brings life? Jesus is telling his disciples something very, very important. That although his death is coming, life comes as the fruit of the death, he's going to die. Now, this is... In nature, you see this all the time Because you, the idea that you find in the Bible Is that you place a seed in the ground The seed dies, but a plant is blossomed Like someone just gave me a whole bag of bulbs One of our sisters in our church You know, and there's these big It's like these big little, you know, like seeds almost And I know if I put those things in the ground Next springtime I'm not going to be able to find those things But I am going to get a flower, right? And so in the same way When a child is born you know, and I'm not going to give you the birds and the beasts talk. It's like little spermie and little egg, they come together and something they both go away and something new happens. And in the same I said spermie in church, praise God. <laughs> but Jesus is teaching us something really important is that the way to real life comes through death. Now, for Jesus it is unique that his death is going to bring life. Because Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead, He says, look, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They're going to kill him. And he's going to be raised up to newness of life. But for you and I, life comes through death as well in two ways. First, when you die to your own version of your life, you can be made alive to God's version. That's what the idea of being born again is all about. That's why Jesus said that you need to be born again. If Jesus, this perfect son of God, the smartest man who ever lived, the one guy who had seen God and knows everything about God because he was God, when he says, this is what you need to do to have life, then you can bank on that. He knows what he's talking about. And he said that you need to be born again. The idea is not that you go back in your mother's womb and you come out again. The idea is that you die to your self-styled life, the life that you write because your parents encourage you to do it that way or society tells you that's who you're supposed to be or whatever the reasons you define your life and you say, no, Lord, I'm going to die to my own version of life and, Lord, I am going to be made alive to your version of my life. The reason God created me. And so for you and I, life... The abundant life comes through the death of the self-styled version of life. It reminds me of Romans chapter six, verses eight to 11. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. But the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, check this out, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is biblical spirituality. This is what I like to call Jesus spirituality. See, the idea is this, as Jesus is dying on the cross, when we put our faith and trust in him, we die to our old life, our life outside of Christ, and then By believing in him, when Jesus is resurrected, we are resurrected into newness of life. So we've been made dead to a life of rebellion against God, and we've been made alive to this new life. And many of you have experienced that. You've experienced what it means to be dead in Christ and then to be made alive again. And in a lot of ways, someone who's a Christian, that's how it happens. You reckon your old life dead and you're made new in Christ. I believe that there's some of you here today, you've never had that experience. And I'm here to tell you, you need to have that experience. And I believe that you're here today so that you will have that experience. That you'll be able to say, I am going to reckon my old life is gone and I'm gonna be made alive in the spirit to God so that you can live the life that you were created to live. So one of the ways that we experience this life That comes from death is to die to our old life and to be made alive to new life. Now, another way, of course, if you're a Christian happens when you die physically, because the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the reality is, and I know that this is hard, but this life that we're living is the temporary version of it. And I know that sounds, it's so, you know, as someone who's suffered loss in my own life, to say that is like, I realize how tragic death is. You realize how fragile life is. But the reality is, is we are sojourners here. We're pilgrims here. We're vacationing through this life. And it's very hard to keep that perspective solid when this is the only life we know. But you have to know that if you are in Christ, When you die, you will live forevermore. That actually right now, you are living in Christ eternally. And at the time that you take your last breath here on this earth, you get to enter into the life that God has for you in eternity. And I'm here to tell you, heaven is the ultimate destination. I know we live in a day and age where it's like, well, I don't want to forfeit I don't really want to just focus on heaven. I want to live here now. And I believe that Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus isn't asking you to give up. He's not asking you to give up this life for the next life. He's like, look, if you give up your self-styled life now, I'm going to give you real life now and you get eternal life in the hereafter. So what Jesus is offering, he's offering like the total maximized life. He's offering a life that has everything you could ever imagine. The presence of God here and in the hereafter. You get the abundant life now and everlasting life into eternity. But you know what's interesting about this verse? Death brings life. Do you notice the disciples' response to this? So fascinating. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Do you notice that? The disciples didn't hear everything that Jesus said. They just heard, you're going to be betrayed, and you're going to be killed, and then they got focused on that, and they missed that very last phrase, which is, and he will be raised up. And here's the deal. For you and I, because of what the Bible calls the fallenness of humanity, we all have a tendency to emphasize the negative, don't we? It's amazing how this works. Everything could be great, but one thing's bad, and the whole thing's bad, Right? You know, something good's going on. And then all of a sudden, the only thing you can remember is the one thing that you didn't like the way that it went. And Jesus says, look, yeah, I'm going to be betrayed. Yeah, I'm going to be killed. But I'm going to be raised up again. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. They're not like, wow, you just conquered death, bro. But you got to ask yourself, how do you do with this? Because I know for me, I was convicted just reading this this week. How am I doing? Am I missing all the positives because of something that I don't like? You know, it's amazing. This happens in church a lot. I just, you know, we brought back on a brother from our staff. He had moved away to go take care of his elderly family and he moved back. And one of the things he said, he's like, you know what we realized coming back? We realized how much we took Crossroads for granted. We started to focus on things and we missed what God was doing here. It's really easy to do that, right? It's like you have enough time in a relationship and all you can do is focus on the things you don't like about the person you like, you're grateful for the job, you prayed for the job, but then you get the job and then sometime later you're like, oh, I just wish I didn't have a job. Any other job would be better. Because I think there's some part of our fallenness that if we're not careful, we'll miss the beautiful things because we're not willing to focus on the beautiful things because they almost feel unnatural to us. And that's why it says in Philippians 4 that we should meditate on those things that are lovely and those things that are praiseworthy. See, our entire news cycle, everything on the internet, every newspaper, it's like the more gore and the more negativity, the more it appeals to us. And then all we can do is see negative and we miss out on all the things that God is wanting to do. It's amazing. The disciples were exceedingly sorrowful when you kind of just wish one of them would be like, well, so are you saying that you're just, you know, you're dying, but you're coming back to life again? Wow. That's awesome. What does that mean for us? No, all they can hear is that he's going to die. And they can't see that he's going to live forever. So death brings life. Now, moving on from there, look what it says in verse 24. It says, now when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him. So they leave the Sea of Galilee. They just hear that Jesus is going to conquer death and that death brings life. And then they come in and they are confronted with these people who received the temple tax. And they say to Peter, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And Peter says, yes, he does. Now, what does this teach us? My friends, conflict brings clarity. Conflict brings clarity. See, these people who are collecting the temple tax, you can almost tell by their question that they're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to make sure that they can pin Jesus down, that he is really not the great guy that everyone thinks he is, but he's just one of those type of people. Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? You ever, ever have those questions from somebody where they're just someone's just looking for fault? They're just looking for a reason to get upset. Is this not the way that you do it? Right? Because we live in a negative culture, we're always trying to figure out who's the nasty one. Why are they so nasty? Why don't you do what I want you to do? All this stuff, right? But what's amazing is it's in this little situation that's a small amount of conflict that all of a sudden Jesus is going to bring clarity to Peter about how this thing all works. See, the temple tax is really not what's important, but the temple tax and the conflict over does Jesus pay the temple tax is going to lead to some teaching and some understanding that only happens through the conflict. And that's why, listen, I wrote my book honestly about this. Because for so many of us, life is messy. And it's exceedingly messy. It's perplexingly messy. When you follow Jesus, life doesn't become unmessy. All of a sudden you realize how extraordinarily messy it actually is. But the reality happens is like, how do I move through a messy world and not become embittered? When everything doesn't go right, when everything happens that is not the way that I want it to, how do I work this thing out? How do I continue to live in such a way that honors the fact that everything doesn't make any sense, but that Jesus is real? And what I have found is that the messiness of life brings clarity, that the conflicts that go on, if you're willing to allow the Lord to minister into the midst of the conflict, you begin to see things that are you would never have known because it's the conflict that jars everything out of place so you can see what's in your heart. I'll never forget this. I remember I, I grew up in a family and I was loved extraordinarily as a child. i have like, an amazing family, but my parents did not get along very well. They were like two really strong type A people and all Italian. So they were thick headed, you know, it's like, they were like, man, and, and they would like fight, they could fight over anything. It was amazing, you know? And it's like, and I remember when I got married, I was like, I'm never going to fight with Lynn. Why are you guys laughing? But like, I was just like, I'm just not going to fight with that girl. You know what I mean? Like I watched my parents fight and that's no good. And so I remember we got married and I remember, and and in my heart, I said, I'm never going to, I don't ever want to intentionally hurt my wife. And I'll never forget it. We must've been married about four months and something was going on. And I remember I said something and it was like, it was one of those things that you say that's, it's aimed at hurting somebody. And I remember I got in the car and she was upset, rightfully so. And I was proud. And so I was not talking, you know? And I remember later on that day, I ended up calling a friend of mine who was a pastor. And, and I said, hey, can we talk for a couple minutes? And he said, yeah. He's like, what's up? And I, I told him the story. And he said, you know, praise God. Excuse me? He's like, at least now you know what's in your heart. And you can work from there. It made me stop for a second because it was like, whoa. Like I wasn't quite ready for that response. You know, maybe I was hoping for like, yeah, you're a knucklehead, you better go apologize to her. And, you know, or maybe like you were right to be angry or something, you know. But his response was, now you know what's in your heart. And we can work from there. And see, the idea that conflict brings clarity, oftentimes the things that are rubbing, the friction points are the things that if you're allowing Jesus to do a work in the midst of your heart, the friction point will be something that now all of a sudden you're gonna get insight through it, See, what goes on here is they're trying to catch Peter and Jesus. And notice Peter's response is, yes, he does. Now, the temple tax was, it was about a two days wages for the average laborer. And so it was something that was instituted back in the book of Exodus to build the tabernacle. And then it was actually further along in the book of Nehemiah in order to rebuild the temple that had been broken down. And so it became the kind of a custom that every year, every able-bodied male over a certain age would give this two days wages for the upkeep of the temple. And so for whatever reason, Jesus never paid it. We don't know if he ever paid it, but at this point they hadn't paid it for that year. And this guy comes and Peter's first response is, yep, he does. Why? Because Peter's afraid of people. See, Peter just wants to save
1: It's pretty counterintuitive, but it's true that conflict can bring clarity. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that it's the hard things in life that reveal what's really in your heart. So, when things don't go your way, or when life throws you a curveball, or you get in an argument with someone, what are you going to do? Are you willing to take some deep breaths and sit there for a bit while you ask God to show you what's in your heart? Jesus wants you to see things as they really are so that you can experience his freedom and joy. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real program.
0: And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I wanna begin to follow Jesus. I wanna help you do that right now. We're gonna pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if, that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands
1: to help you on this journey. And my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about how to live in the freedom that comes from being a part of God's family. You'll be reminded that there's a ripple effect for every choice you make. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to stand firm in the freedom that comes from the Lord so that you don't get tripped up and fall back into bondage. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Real Talk. Please glance at the clock right now. And make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.